Welcome to the American Contractor Show, the show that's all about American contractors living the American dream. I'm your host, John Dye. Each episode, we'll introduce you to contractors just like you who have beaten the odds and leveled up their game to become the dominant force in their markets. Together, we'll explore the tools and tactics that unlock the secrets to their success. Join me as we begin the journey that leads to the realization of your American dream. Well, hey guys, welcome to the American Contractor Show. I'm here with my friends Mike Lindhurst and Paul Reed, and we are in uh, Iowa right now. Cedar Rapids. Cedar Rapids. Here hanging out with some contractors, talking about the derecho storm. And uh, I wanted to kind of do a little bit of a recap, and then, but not just that, but I was surprised to find that you were out here chasing derecho and hanging out with uh, all the locals here. And I assumed that you were like really well connected here and had done this before and come to find out not really the case <laughs> no we just kind of pulled into town no we we actually um i try to stay a little bit low-key actually in there I, I don't generally post a lot of times where we've been um you know we have a few few areas you know we've used c3 over the last couple of years an area that you know we've actually been there about 10 years nice. that no one knows we've we've really ever been in so usually kind of come in low-key and uh try to help as many people as we can well I think that's really cool. And I think that, you know, when we talk about chasing storms and we see all that kind of stuff, like it's, there's so much uh, negative to it. And I've chased, I think everyone's chased you've Mike, you were a contractor for years. I mean, we've all done that. Um, but I'm curious to hear how you do it because everyone's got their way of doing it, but it's kind of like, you know, you say like, I keep low key, like I'm kind of just yeah. hanging out doing my thing, but what does that mean? Well, Here's, here's what that really means as it's pretty easy as a roofing contractor, you know, and, and even anymore, I, I starting to see this uh, becoming more popular. I see a lot of PAs and a lot of lawyers chasing as well. And it seems like a storm goes off and everyone gets really excited. And they're the next thing you know, you're out in the middle of wherever, Iowa, right? And what we do is, is I really kind of locate areas and, and markets that, I potentially want to work. So really kind of have a map and it shows of these are areas that I will consider working if something happened. So I already know the areas. I've already planned out the areas. We've already looked at the pricing. Um, the reason we've done that is because I have found myself out in the middle of, say, Hutchison, Kansas, because I heard there was a hell storm and I got in my pickup and I drove out there, <laughs> sold a bunch of roofs got the insurance paperwork back and they're paying $184 a square. And now I'm going, what in the world am I going to do here? Right. So I've made that mistake. So we know where we potentially want to go before we ever well, go. And we'll just wait for it to happen. Let's use this Kansas example. Mike, mm. what's the PA uh, world like in Kansas? Oh gosh. I, you know, <laughs> I, I wish I had a, a, an answer off the top of my head for that because I don't really know. Um, I understand some of the, some of the laws, some of the recourse issues there. Cause I have some claims there, uh, nowhere near as much it's, as like, back in my hand, like Colorado. It, it is. I mean, every place is a little bit different, but I think what, what, what all this is, is just trying to figure out a way to say no to a certain subset of business. And it's really, really hard to do. And, you know, Paul made a lot of really good points earlier when he was talking about, you know, just the hard lessons you learn when you maybe cast a wide net and you shouldn't have casted a wide net uh -huh. and you mature and you learn these lessons and you take some hits and it costs you money. And then you go, 
you know, was that a good investment in my time and my money and my energy? And, uh, and, and you have to really kind of get that down to more of a pinhole of this is the business I really want to, that I really want to work on. And, you know, uh, Doug Quinn today, who's taking pictures of me. Thanks, Doug. <laughs> um, I hope they're good pictures, good lighting. Thanks, John. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, Doug made so many good points today too. And what I've realized is in this business, you, you have to have your, your, your profit centers and you have to be smart about your profit centers, but you also have to give back and you have to have your nonprofit initiatives. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Paul's wearing, uh, you know, his hat, you know, his, his mission storming to the new era. We have American adjuster association, Doug has the American policyholder association. All of them have a different mission that are all very much a need. And so some of this, like coming here today, if we do no business in Iowa, but I am able to do some of the nonprofit work that drives uh, a better marketplace for Iowans as consumers going forward, that's a great win for us. Uh, and, and that's just the reality. But the for-profit business, that concept of not casting that wide net anymore, it's just a smart way to go about your business, right. you know? So Yeah, I agree. I agree. So let's talk about this, though. So you, you mentioned we we're talking the whole point of this. We wanted to talk about profit and margins because mm-hmm. um, that's uh, knowing your your market is insanely important. You talked mm-hmm. about Kansas and understanding the intricities be- between not just the exactimate numbers, but you know all the other legal things that go into it when you're choosing an area to chase, right? To go out and work this right. new market. Um, what's what are some of the margins that you're looking at? Because I know that you know your numbers. I know a lot of guys think they know their numbers and they throw numbers out all over the place. And a lot of times those numbers aren't necessarily accurate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so it may put the wrong perception out for people that are wanting to go out and, uh, and chase or to go out and and, and seek out these new opportunities. But let's talk about the real numbers here. What are we, what are we looking at here? How do you calculate this stuff? And what do you, what do you consider to be good, bad? Like, how does that work? I, I really, I look at it a few different ways and it depends on the type of roofing you're doing, right? If there's residential or there's commercial. One of the hard lessons that, that we learned really over the years was we didn't know our numbers. We, you know, you just mentioned that we thought we knew our numbers because, you know, you, you take, you know, myself and, and my partner, Tom, we're not educated people. You know, we don't have a degree in accounting. We don't, but we know how to go sell a roof and we know how to put a roof on and service customers. And so we just looked at it and you're like, oh, that's a $10,000 job and blah, blah, blah. And I think I'm going to make $2,800. And like at the end of the day, you didn't know if you made 2,800, but you had a little bit of money left over in your bank account. So you could go buy something. And that's how a lot of people run their business. That's how we run our business. But over the time, as we matured, as business owners, we start realizing um, we woke up one day and we were running, I, I think at the time we were $20 million. We're a $20 million a year company and, and, and apparently we're slow learners because we go, holy crap, we're running a $20 million a year company and we're running this like a mom and pop store. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? <clears throat> That doesn't even make sense. Well, and, and I'm going to make an assumption because I ran into this when I was a contractor before I was a PA and mm-hmm. learned that lesson of, yeah, we're running cash books and the, we don't even know what a cool is, right? You <laughs> I go, couldn't even say the word. I know. I mean, it just, a, you know, but, but that I think even is a really, that's, yeah. A, yeah, even, I mean, but it is, it's a huge key to this because there's like this long-term cash flow cycle as a restoration contractor, mm-hmm. right? It's like, you might get your ACV and then you're supplementing and then you've got your depreciation later and then you got your material bills and you have to have that accrual outlook 
or else you don't know it, what that looks like. It really is a pretty complex business. It is. It's when you really complex. start to look at it, yeah. you know, knowing, knowing what your true overhead is. There's so many variables. Mm -hmm. Knowing what your true overhead is, I think that's a, yeah. that's a struggle. I think most people just assume, you know, hey, you're running this company and, you know, salesmen especially, they're like, gosh, the owner's charging all this overhead. <laughs> like they're taking 10% or 12% or 15% right off the top. Man, they're making a ton of money. Yeah. And well, and transparency is such a big deal because I think you can be pretty transparent about that with your employees in this industry, mm -hmm. too, to show them and say, look, this is what it actually takes to run this company. This is mm -hmm. the risk that's attached to it. Um, you know, we've got a compensation structure that actually focuses on some of those some of those uh, transparencies in accounting. And I think it works really well. It's more engaging. It's, you know, they don't think that you're trying to get one over on them and right. make that extra buck. Um, you know, that's that's worked well for our company as well. But just that that you probably woke up that day and you're like, oh, we got to have a cruel books. That'd be great if we could actually see down the road and that's that's what that is no when, when we we switched over and and started to run that but to to really identify you know what margin do we need to be at and all that we we had to go to the cruel um mm -hmm. we actually had to figure out what is our actual office overhead what's our overhead cost yeah and we we established you know hey it's it's like 14 percent okay and, you know it blew us away because we were charging 10 percent mm-hmm because well, it's a standard. I've seen that on Facebook. Everybody's <laughs> 10%. That's what you're supposed Isn't to do. Isn't that what the insurance company told yeah. us to charge? Right. The thing I've ever learned, I learned on Facebook. Right. So we're, <laughs> we're, we're going, holy crap. Like right off the top, we're losing we're losing 4%. And, and we're, we never want to make any money. Like it's in our, our business model, we're not trying to make money on the overhead. We don't. So we want to be at that, at that margin. So number one, establishing where that actual hard cost is. And then, then we go from there. You know, um, and at the end of the year, we start looking at, I don't get really hung up on, because I get really frustrated. I don't get hung up on the, the, the revenue, the margin on, on each particular job. And here's why. I see on Facebook, again, I learned this on Facebook, <laughs> that the national average for roofing companies is about 48% margin. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how many times have you seen that on Facebook? You know, what, what are you guys making? Ah, oh, we make 48%. And I'm yeah. looking at it and I'm going, damn, I've done a lot of roofs for 22%, you know, <laughs> and that was after supplementing and fighting hard and doing all these things. And so we, we like to hit as, as our personal deal, uh, we don't really do residential anymore, but in our commercial world, we, we do like to be around 30% on our margin, but that's on, on an insurance job. You could generally be on these, on these larger jobs. That's kind of where it is in, in our market in Denver, Colorado Springs is less than mm -hmm. that. We're probably at about a 25, 26% there. Mm -hmm. Iowa should be around a 30. Um, if we start going into retail jobs and cash bid jobs on commercial, it gets super competitive. And a lot of those jobs, the margins down there, when you're going up against Santa Mark or, or, or corporations like that, you're around 12 to 15% margin. Well, they got yeah. an economy of scale issue too. But every time I hear forty-eight percent margin, I remember the day that I was sitting in my in my friend's office <laughs> in Charlotte, and I and I sold this job that had a roof attached to it, and then I was uh, bidding out and selling windows for the whole house and siding for the whole house and gutters and trim and part of a deck in the back and all this other stuff. And I'm like, <laughs> I just sold my first like hundred thousand oh. dollar job, and I brought it back to me. He's like, you know, you sold that in eleven percent 
margin, right? I was like, no, no, it's 33%. <laughs> and he goes, no, that's the mark up, not the margin. And I said, uh, what do you mean? There's a difference, you know? But I think a lot oh. of people really don't know what that difference is because they haven't been educated in it. And they, and so to, to operate at a 25 or 30% margin is a, is a much more substantial mark up. And, you know, yeah. but when people bid, if they're not educated on how to, you know, really calculate those percentages and what that difference is, you can, man, you can really trip yourself up. And, and so, the, the bigger the risks that you do, you know, that definitely a learning experience for mm-hmm. us. You know, we start working on these larger jobs. I mean, we transitioned, you know, from five years ago to, you know, where we were well, 85% commercial to residential. And man, that was a hard lesson. L- let's be real though. Like most company owners are really good sales reps that became business owners now yeah. today, right? Mm-hmm. At what point, I mean, you have a CFO, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you guys have a CFO. Mm-hmm. We have a CFO. At what point do you think that you got to go out and find a good a good money, you know, a good numbers person to work in your business or even hire out a CFO like third party? Like when do you need to make that move? Yeah, we're actually right in the middle of that right now. We're actually hiring a fractional CFO as yeah. we speak. We you can we do that. Our, well, I mean, our, our books are infinitely less Wait, complicated. Wait, just for those so. of you guys don't, don't know what that is, what is a fractional CFO? Well, they're basically part-time. I mean, they're mm-hmm. really, really high-level qualifications. Somebody that typically makes 300 grand a year is a mm-hmm. high-level CFO with – you know, a graduate degree, uh, maybe even a PhD in accounting, and um, but you're hiring them a day or two a week, so you're not paying them 300 right. grand a year. But it's just enough where they can translate a lot of the high-level numbers down to your bookkeeping services and and that kind of stuff. So uh, different different function than a bookkeeper, obviously, but that's all we've ever operated on because our books are way less complicated as a PA yeah. than, oh, yeah. than a roofer. Way less uh, complicated. We, so we have a CFO on there. We we started out <laughs> as well um, with a fractional CFO. Um, and it, it was needed. And I really, in hindsight, we didn't get one until we were around, say, 20 million. I personally think that that if you're running a $5 million a year company, that you should probably have a fractional CFO. Mm-hmm. I really do. I mean, I, I can't remember the actual numbers, but there's a small percentage of like 1% of all companies in America do over like a million dollars a year. Like you're in like mm-hmm. the 1% just doing a million dollars a year Mm -hmm. and you're treating that as a mom and pop business yep and you're doing five million or eight million that's a lot of money that's a lot of money yeah Yeah, it's a ton of money and 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 we're we're roofers we most of us don't have the education i mean if i didn't have a calculator on my phone i couldn't do math (laughs) and i'm supposed to run an eight million dollar a year company or ten million dollars how does that think about that i mean yeah you're right most roofing companies are running they're growing so fast I mean, mm-hmm. I talked to a guy. I had a guy in my office uh, this week. He, I mean, he's going to do ten million in his second year. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got another friend of mine. He's on his ninth truck. He's in his first year of business, right now. Right, right now. Yeah. Okay, you like how, get a life coach. I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> well, I guarantee they're going to have some. I mean, they're in, unless they have a real coach, right? Or right. A real. If they have those, if they had the hindsight to put that in place and incur that expense early on, very few people have that hindsight. Very few mm-hmm. people until you felt a little bit of pain and then that 10 million started to come back and your margins got really thin. So you're putting out 10 and you're losing nine and a half. And, you know, I mean, a lot of the, a lot of the people that participated in uh, state farms, uh, PSP programs, mm-hmm. that's what would happen to them is they get this huge amount of volume work and they look at the end of the year and they're like, I didn't make any damn money, <laughs> you know, because mm-hmm. their margins are razor thin, but you don't figure that out for a while. Like you got to go through that cycle and then you're 18, 24 months down the road and you realize, 
well, shoot, I wasn't able to pay myself very much or I've got way more debt because I didn't have accrual books. Right. I didn't have good advice from a professional CFO. So, yeah, I mean, I you, you have to feel that when you don't have a graduate degree in roofing, right? right? So, right. Um, and that's the only way you learn. about 400 roofs from Matt's guy and figured that out. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. Yeah. And you that's did 400? Happens. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. They count yeah. on they count on that. You know, we're going to we're gonna pump your, your gross revenue. So I'm a $10 million a year company, except I'm not making any money. And then you got to backtrack right. and really figure out philosophically what you want to do. And I think that's how it comes full circle. How long has Northwest been in business now? Since 1963. Okay. Yeah. So it took you guys a long time to figure that out. I'm just kidding. We're slow. <laughs> we're... <laughs> no, it took us. Yeah. It took us about eight years, you know, to really feel that pain and then have the have those kind of lumps too. And um, so, but you're going to pay for your tuition one way or the other. That's that's the truth. So, yeah, they pay for it. Yeah, you know, we we call it the dump tax. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. we, we yeah. paid a lot of dump tax yeah. over over yeah. the years, and you know, sometimes we continue to to pay it, and um, that's okay. Like we're we paid for our education. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't like to do it, but um, we take the lesson every time. And at least you can write it up. Improve, right? <laughs> and improve our methods. At least, at least it's an expense. It <laughs> right. Well, as long as we win more than we lose. Yeah, that's right. That's right. No, I think this is cool, and I'm excited to see you out here. I think it's, uh, I think it's awesome. And what's it been like so far out here? Yeah, man, it's it's been really, it's been awesome to come out here. So we used to chase a lot so we used to work you know up to eight ten different storms a year you know around the states i mean there was a lot of times that i was working you know from nashville to you know omaha yeah. to not actually i don't know why i said omaha i met hutchison kansas on there and just eight storms and we kind of got sick of sick of doing that you know it got to the point where we stopped one day and we said we're driving by a lot of business in our own hometown to get to other business and so we dialed it back in we figured that end out and now we've kind of expanded again and going back so i'm kind of came back out of retirement of storm chasing and i've, I've loved it man it's it's been really fun getting out here and and helping these people and that's that's the other thing is I do feel that, you know, just as, as a human being, you have a duty to really give back and use some of your resources to build, you know, back the community. Most people don't realize what has happened out here or what it looks like and, and everything that's gone on. I can't I mean, believe it. Dude, it's, it was a hurricane. It's insane. It's a hurricane that's here and there is literally, there's no coverage. Mm -hmm. I heard about it because my, you know, my buddy Dan Young called me and he's like, Paul, you would not believe this storm out here that just happened yesterday. And he's telling me, and I didn't, Duracho, like, boy, hell is that? <laughs> Number one, you don't, it's, and it wasn't on the news. You don't see it. He's sending me pictures and he's like, man, I, it was like a hurricane. Yeah. And you're a million miles away from the ocean. So it wasn't a hurricane. Well, I mean, I've you, been here. You, it was a hurricane. Do you look at the hurricane. roof in this building at this Marriott yes. here? I mean, that atrium's yes. gone. Yeah. I mean, that whole glass atrium is completely gone. It, it looks exactly like the not exactly, but pretty darn close to when I first went down to Hurricane Irma and I went down to Marco Island in Naples. Oh yeah, and there was just debris as tall as the ceiling down every single street, Weird. and it wasn't quite that bad. But I mean, but the wind speeds were pretty intense. But I didn't realize how bad it was until you watched that time lapse video that was on yeah, that yeah. on that yeah, doorbell, yeah. the ring doorbell. Yeah. And it just, I mean, when you see the trees get cut off halfway up the trunk it's like that's, that's real winds yeah. that's real like it doesn't take it off by the root it literally cut them in half and i'm the, like my goodness the only difference between here and 
in Florida is we have oak trees instead of palm trees. Like that's, mm -hmm. that's what it looks like. And so I think it's our duty to be out here to help. And we're glad that we could be here and, mm -hmm. you know, we'll come out and do the right thing, help as many people as we can and, you know, service them and go home and go to the next one. That's I agree, right. man. And this was an awesome event, Mike. Thank you for, yeah. uh, for making this happen. Paul, you coming out here and, and helping us out because you know, the stuff that you guys shared today, you're not going to find that any like conference like this is the real deal like boots on the ground this is what's really happening right now <laughs> yeah we so, really appreciate that man i mean you providing that audience uh or that that platform to be able to take in some of the stuff we you know the best thing we can do is provide information to people and if it helps everybody that's that's the goal you know well, it really i agree is. it's I so totally important to, to be out here and and get the real message and real story and kind of really what's going on because it's easy to get up in front of everybody and say how great you are and everything's awesome and blah 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 but you know like these events and what you guys do and, and c3 as we come out and here's here's the real information yeah here's really what's going on and there's no there's you, no hoopla around this like yeah. this, this is the real deal like yep. i mean this is what you're going to actually run into out here and that's why we did it when we did it in nashville i was blown away at the response on that and then this is yeah. awesome louisiana's gonna be great um but no, I mean, having you guys here and having you here has been phenomenal for these guys. And um, if you guys didn't watch that, I think it, it it is on the ACS channel and a bunch of other places. You guys can go back and rewatch what Paul said, but it was it was phenomenal. Like that was words that every contractor needed to hear. I hope they I hope at least one person listened, man. We've <laughs> we've done it. We've seen it. I've seen so many take out so many people and it doesn't just affect them, man. When you really when you play that forward and. If you, if you hire 20 people and you screw up as an owner because you get a little too big for your britches, mm -hmm. it affects all 20 of your guys, all their families, mm -hmm. all the roofers, all yep. the community. You affected literally tens of thousands of people because you got a little bit too excited and tried to take on a little bit too much. Like it doesn't yeah. just affect you. It's yeah. tens of thousands of people. Well, you know, this, this business, you know, uh, a wise man once said your greatest strength is your greatest weakness. And in this industry, the greatest strength of this industry, the financial opportunity is the fact that you have this massive opportunity, right? You have a $10 billion storm that comes through. You're like, I'd like to go get a billion of that. Yeah. But if you can't <laughs> service that, that's going to blow up in your face. So it turns into your greatest weakness. And the hardest thing in the world to do Oof. is to kind of get that, you know, down to this is what I'm going to work on. This is what I know I can affect. And Paul, I mean, it takes a lot of humility to admit that you've done that before mm -hmm. and that it blew up in your face and, you you know, to your to your words, to God's ears, you know, it was, uh, uh, what did you say, leaving bodies in the road when you're done, right? Or, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's what it is. I mean, you're, you know, you want to have a company that retains people. You want to be able to provide value to your clients so they remember you, so they become raving fans of your company. And you can't do that if you cast that wide net and then you screw up your quality control. And but that turns into a weakness if you don't manage that the right way. And that was just a really great way to, to, to frame that. It's actually it's pretty it's hard. It was super hard on, on me when I realized like the bodies that I've left in the road because of like mm -hmm. pride and ego and, and just stupidity of thinking that, you know, we're going to come out here and just crush it and do all these great things. And the, the bot and it's you look back and you're like, man. Now, now you catch yourself having to go back and make all these amends to people that you contributed to destroying their life at that point, you know, yeah. be because of it. And man, if you could avoid doing that, leaving bodies in the road, and it's it's not it's not that hard. Just let's easy does it. Slow down a little bit. 
let's look at it. Let's actually plan this out. Let's sit down with somebody that maybe have done that before. Mm-hmm. Right? There's no better way. If I want to learn how to, if I want to be a $20 million a year company and I'm only doing five, best thing to do is I'm going to find me a couple guys that do $20 million a year. I'm going to drive to their office. I'm going to sit down with them and ask them, how'd you do that? Mm-hmm. What'd you do? And there's a lot of people that will, that'll help you do that. I mean, because left to my own ideas, <laughs> there's bodies in the street, guys. Well, you Man. can you, know, you can you can leverage your you know your education just by simply asking people. You know, mm-hmm. to your point, most people are pretty good and willing to, you know, give you the things that they've learned, so you don't make the same mistakes. And I think that's what we're trying to do here today, for sure. And right. you know, if you if you step into that with a little bit of humility and some contrition to talk about the things that, that you were talking about before, it's just really valuable. And uh, I wish I would have heard that you know, 10 years ago, yeah. we've all Me made too. those, yeah, we've all made those Man. mistakes. So, I wouldn't have heard, uh, I wouldn't have listened to them. Someone probably yeah. probably <laughs> yeah. I would have been in the crowd here today going, Man, that old guy needs to shut up. I'm going to go sell a thousand roofs. Yeah. Good luck building. Right. Man, guys, I appreciate you so much and, uh, for hanging out and doing this and, uh, putting the stuff together. The information that's going out is mm-hmm. just phenomenal. You guys are killing it, changing an industry and changing people's lives. I know we always talk about industry and business and no one wants to mix all that together, but let's be real. Like I think Michael Scott said it in the office, but business is the most personal thing in life. (laughs) It is. It absolutely is. (laughs) I think he was right. So, you know, it's cool to have you guys here and what you guys are doing. I appreciate you and your friendship so much. So thank you for being a part of this. Absolutely. Sir. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Are you doing something unique, innovative, or just playing cool with your contracting business and want to show off a little bit? We'd love to hear from you. Send us an email at showcase at americancontractorshow.com and let us know what you're up to. We'd love to hear from you and maybe we'll feature you on a future episode.